Um, one of the things, I don't know how many of you have actually ever come up and read what it says over here. Uh, but what it actually says in this one, you know, we have our core values. Each one of the pieces of art in this room is uh, is what I felt symbolized in the moment that I was making choices. So you may disagree with me, uh, but each one of the pieces in this room represent uh, when I was tasked with uh, with somehow finding visual representations of our core values. When I came to education, that one, you know, it's hard. It, it's hard. It's a hard thing to cat to prioritize your um, your core values. And I've talked about core values before. We'll be talking about core values in the coming weeks as well. Um, besides the core values of our center here, which are service, peace, acceptance, creativity, and education, we each have our own core values. Um, you know, the core values that are represented here were the work of a whole long, long, probably longer than any of us enjoyed process of discernment. And periodically, you know, kind of get into conversations with people and they still seem to fit. So uh, I think these are these are truthful. If I were to have to categorize and prioritize our center's core values, I would have a hard time doing that. Um, I would certainly put peace at the top. For me, um, the others would all be a close second, but education might have the edge because it's my belief that through education, through learning, that's how we come to realize how we can embody the other values. And so this that's on the wall here is taken from the from the book Talks on Truth by our Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore. And the first words in it are, it is your mission to express all that you can imagine God to be. So if you have ever wondered, like, why am I here anyway? Um, you know, Fillmore has this nice handy dandy little purpose statement for you. That's all you have to do is be all that you can imagine God to be. It is your mission to express all that you can imagine God to be. Let this be your standard of achievement. Let no one belittle you or cry sacrilege. If you have someone in your life who keeps telling you that is you, that's impossible, you cannot be what you think you must be. And if they are telling you besides... God, to say that it is your mission to be what God could be is sacrilege, is, in my humble opinion, whatever civilized word you want to translate nonsense into. So, you can attain to everything that you can imagine. That's a pretty firm statement. He doesn't say, well, don't get your hopes up too high. You know, people really don't behave in the way we think they ought to. He simply says, you can attain to everything that you can imagine. So here it is. If you can imagine that it is possible to God, it is also possible to you. Whatever possibility your mind conceives, that is for you to attain. This is the law. 
Let none belittle himself or dwarf the supreme by trying to annul it. And the words from our master teacher, all things that are thine, all things that are mine are thine and thine are mine. In other words, everything that we can imagine is ours, is for God, for the infinite, for good without opposite. It is part of that infinite eternal life that we are. And everything that that is, we are. And we spend so much of our lives allowing ourselves to think less of ourselves. And we spend so much of our lives allowing outside influences to convince us that once we do this or get that or buy that or reach that or have these letters before or after our name or have this amount of money in our bank account or whatever it is, whatever external thing you have become convinced is necessary for you to be all that you are is a faulty Mistaken belief. You already are that. And I remain convinced that on the day that enough of us can truthfully see peace everywhere we look, that everything unlike peace will fall away. So that's my imagination. That's my mission. That's what I believe that God, whatever that means, wants us. If there were an entity out there, and I'll claim my little piece of being the entity. You know, we act sometimes and our language sounds as if we believe God is an entity. And in a sense, God is because God is us. And so speaking for me in that portion that I get to dictate, this is what I believe our mission is. And so I want to thank you all for being here today and for being willing to entertain the truth of of those words by Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore. We had a metaphysics class start yesterday, and one of the things that I reminded people was that I would be spouting off a whole lot, but they needed to remember that everything I say is in my opinion, as I understand it. And it does not mean that you have to agree with it. However, I'm pretty serious about this peace on earth thing. We are gonna, we are gonna work towards that. And one of the ways that we work towards that is that each and every one of us has to first, I believe, find peace within ourselves. I can't stand up here and say, well, I'm, I'm struggling and I'm living in darkness and I really, who am I and all that. But that's okay because all of those people will hold peace and I'll get to come along for the ride. We do not get to go along for the ride. We create the world that we choose to live in. So with that said, this is our denial and affirmation. So whatever beliefs you have held in the past, you don't have to keep holding on to them. Nobody ever said that just because you learned a mistake early on in your life that you have to keep carrying it your whole life. You are allowed to change your mind. 
And in fact, that's what new thought is all about, is allowing the new thoughts to grow and take root. So speak with me, if you will, our weekly affirmation. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. That last line can be a hard one. I know that last line can be a hard one. I can be sitting in my own office, my own art space, my own, not even any other humans around, and find it hard to find that peace in the midst of that. And we keep claiming it. We imagine it. We breathe into it. And we give thanks for the infinite potential that we are. So last week, next slide please. We're gonna, we're gonna kinda have a few slides this morning. Uh, last week I, uh, re, I started revisiting a book that, uh, has been around for quite a while. And some of you may know this book from the business sector of life. And the thing is though, if it applies to people in business and it's helpful and it's true, if anything is true, in my opinion it has to be true for everybody. It has to be true for bankers. It has to be true for accountants. Even as Jesus said, even tax collectors, you know, even the tax collectors. And it has to be true for New Thought people. And it has to be true for Catholics and Lutherans and Buddhists and atheists and people who have never heard of any of the above. So what we want to do is really practice and attain an understanding of basic skills and principles that we can use that will allow us to be peace in the midst of all matters, that will allow us to actually live the mission of whatever we can think is possible to God is also possible to us. So we started off last week with being proactive. Next slide. And the first foundational thing that we have to remember is that we are not victims of anything or anyone in our lives. And I'm just going to say, as I said last week, trust me, I get it. We really want to look outside of ourselves and we want to buy the new gadget or, you know, get the new this or point to someone and make them the enemy. But the bottom line is, our life's experience is the result of our choices. We are met with an infinite number of possibilities pretty much every day. Pretty much every day of our lives. If you really stop and you think of all of the choices that you make without even thinking about it. Wake up at 3.45 in the morning. Oh, should I get up or should I go back to bed? Because you know i got to be up and blah, 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 blah. And then we wake up, and then it's like, oh, could I hit the snooze alarm? I got a little bit more time. No, I may as well get up. Then it's like, okay, do I go to the kitchen? Do I hit the coffee button? Do I meditate first? What do I do? So we each make an infinite number of choices every day, most of them fairly mindlessly. And for a lot of things, that's okay. We don't need to spend a lot of time skillfully discerning whether or not to go back to bed or to get up. We do what we do. 
But there are choice points throughout the day that come to us. And throughout our lives, every single one of us has made an infinite number of choices that somehow has brought us all here today. And this is how our life works. And so the thing that we need to do is cultivate the ability to respond to the choices and to the events of our lives as as opposed to reacting mindlessly from them. And again, an affirmation from the first part of this book, I am the creative force in my life. So we choose peace. We choose to accept that it's our choice how we respond to the events in our lives. So we move on from there. And the first thing that we need to do if we're really going to live optimally, I'll just simply use that word optimally, we have to know what is it that we value. You know, because if if you don't know what's important to you, when faced with choices, your choice-making process becomes much more complicated. Next one. Each of us, and I've used this slide before, so some of you are familiar with it, and and I'm just going to say, if you are familiar with it, yay you, you have integrated it as a tool in your life. And if not, and you're going, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that thing, we're going to go over it again because it's truly, truly important. Each one of us in our lives has three basic areas into which we, whether we're aware of it or not, we categorize things. All of the stuff that comes into our, into our awareness, every single solitary thing, we automatically put it into one of three categories. Either it's the category of, I really don't care. That is of no concern whatsoever to me. This would be like, Whatever the Kardashian people do on the planet, I don't even know who they are. I don't care. I'm sure they're wonderful, loving people. I'm sure that they are living their lives with the desire to live optimally and to be good influences and people upon the planet. Don't know who they are. Don't know why everybody cares so much about them. And I still don't. Their lives are not a concern to me. At all. On the night that they start showing the Kardashians instead of Jeopardy, they will instantly move into my area of concern. Until that day, go with God. So we each have a whole lot of stuff in our lives that we're aware of. Some of it we're not even aware of, but the stuff we're aware of, we know it's out there. We really don't have any concern about it, and we're just letting those things live in their orbit. The next area is the, our circle of concern. And that's a pretty big circle for all of us. Um, you know, circle of concern for me includes things like, is the air conditioning working in the summertime? Where are my people? You know, a lot of empty chairs in the room. I'm concerned. Where are these people at? I know where a lot of them are. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the world climate patterns. I'm concerned about the state of our culture and our society today. I'm concerned about what I see as divisiveness. I'm concerned about a whole lot of stuff. I'm concerned. 
I, it, it crept into my circle at one point. I'm concerned that we don't teach our children handwriting anymore. That concerns me. Now, here's the difference. We also have a circle of influence. I am concerned that we don't teach our children handwriting anymore. I, and art and things like that have somehow become options. Um, those things are of concern to me. However, they have not moved into my circle of influence because at this point in time, I'm not taking any actions to actually affect the fact that we don't teach children handwriting anymore. At this point in my life, I'm concerned that the arts and music are considered extra because I'm a person who knows that that's one of the ways I learn, that's one of the ways my life has meaning. And if we, it, it helps me in other areas of my life. But at this point, it's still in that circle of concern, which means it's stuff I might bitch about, but it hasn't moved into the circle of influence, which is where I actually wake up one morning and say, you know, this actually is important to me. I want to find out who made this decision. How can we go about changing this? Who do I talk to at TUSD or wherever I have to talk to? I have not done that yet. I could choose to at any moment in time. But where this comes into play is I am aware that it exists. I'm aware and I'm concerned about it. And at this point, other than, and this is no small thing. When I say other than, I don't mean this is a small thing. All of that circle of concern, and actually including everything I'm not concerned about, is actually included in my in my times of stillness and prayers of wholeness. Because I know at some point we need to stop labeling things. I care about this, I don't care about that, I act on this, I don't act on that. But that circle of concern has within it a circle of influence. And those are the things that are important enough to us that we actually do something about it. Those are the things that are continually within our consciousness as things that somehow I am going to use my life to do what I can to affect these things for good. Obviously, for me, at some point, spiritual education became important enough to me that it became a thing that I needed to take the classes, I needed to make the effort, I needed to do whatever I needed to do to become an educator within a faith, a faith tradition that I believe is helpful. And so part of my outworking of my circle of influence is the work that I do here. It's the classes I teach. It's the things I write. It's, it's all of the stuff that I actually put my hands and feet and heart into effort to do. And of course, my circle of influence includes the people in my life that I love, that I care for. My circle of influence has everything that I hold near and dear. And the important thing is to recognize we all do this. We all have these categories. But the thing that's important when we talk about being proactive and taking responsibility for our lives 
is which of those circles are you focusing on the most? Which of those circles are you giving the most attention to? Next slide. If you are complaining a lot and you are really worried about a lot of things, you're worried about the news, you're worried about climate change, you're worried about kids don't learn handwriting anymore, you're worried about what's the world, what's coming to the world in this place, and what are those Kardashians up to anyway? Those are all things that unless you have chosen to move them into your circle of influence, do you have anything, any, do you have any effect at all on any of that? Does sitting in your living room yelling at the television set affect anything? And so here's what I'm going to say. Actually, it does. Actually, sitting in your living room does, and yelling at the TV set does affect something. What it affects is how much active anger, hatred, mistrust, all of that stuff is being expressed in the world. It's kind of like a bucket. You know, we can keep filling up the bucket with muddy water, and that bucket of muddy water just gets muddier and muddier and muddier, or we can add clear water into the bucket. And if all you're doing is complaining, you're not having an effect in helping, but you actually are adding to the very things you don't want to see in the world. Even in your thoughts, even in the comments you yell at the TV set, even in everything, if you are not being peace in the midst of, or if you have effectively placed it in your, I know it's out there, I hold it in prayer, I'm not going to complain about it, when there is something for me to do, I will do it. Every thought, every act, every word, they're not neutral. They have an effect on the, co- the collective consciousness of humankind. So where, how do I show concern and how do I move things like a divisive political system into my life? For me, it is in the circle of concern, for the most part. I do not engage in conversations any more than I seem not to be able to help myself. And, and that's a true, honest statement. I generally do not start those conversations. And if someone starts a conversation with me, it's really easy for me to jump into it. And can be really hard for me to stop. But my intention, and I think most of the people who know me would, would back me up, that I am not generally the one who starts the conversation. Yes, I'm aware of what's going on. Yes, I'm concerned. But the way that I choose, my choice, my response to it, is to have it in my circle of influence where I can actually cast a vote, an educated vote, to have it in my circle of influence so that if there is something that I am asked to speak to, I will speak to it from my true heart. One thing I did not realize is that 
Um, and I don't know how I got on this list, but there are all sorts of, um, of court cases brought before the Supreme Court in different places who have what they call amicus briefs. And what those are, are things where things involve human rights, when things involve perhaps a transgender teenager not being able to use the restroom at their high school, they send out requests to clergy because a lot of time religious sources are being cited that these things are bad. So there are people out there who will send out requests to people like me to say, could you write a statement of why the court should consider such and such from your faith tradition. So I don't tend to go out and march in the streets, but I have written quite a few little paragraphs for various organizations who have asked to have clergy input from a different side of things. So is that in my circle of influence? I believe it is. You know, my little paragraph in the context of probably the 5,000 people who wrote things, my little drop in the bucket was not much. But to me, it represented an action I could take to add clarity. So we do what we can do with love from our circle of influence. And if we're just complaining, if we're just arguing, if we're just saying, I think it's a terrible thing that they don't teach kids cursive handwriting anymore. Okay, but I'm not going to sit there all day and make that point just arguing about it. Because at this point, it hasn't made it to the point I'm willing to make it an active thing in my life. So we can see an out-of-balance life here, can't we? The circle of concern, the things we want to complain about, the things we focus on, is much more than that circle of influence. What we wish to move to is, next slide, Ernie, where we grow our circle of influence. Focus on the things that we can actually do something about. What can you actually do about this thing? Maybe 99% of what you can do is commit to hold it in prayer every single day. And that's good. Whatever it is, what you see reflected here is that that portion of life that we can actually have an effect on has grown because we're focusing on that. We're not sitting around complaining about all the things that we think are wrong with the world. Probably for every person like me who thinks we should teach cursive in school, there's probably another person who could make a really good case to me that, you know, in this day and age, that's really not necessary, it's expensive, it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. But again, I have not chosen to put it into my circle of influence and do that research. So this is where we can look at our own lives. If you feel out of balance in your life, if you feel frustration in your life, if you feel like when I say to you, when I read a Fillmore state, that it is your mission, not just a nice thing. Fillmore did not say, you know, it would be really nice if you'd consider the possibility that maybe whatever you can imagine about God might perhaps be true of you. That was not what he said. 
What he said is, it is your mission to be all that you can imagine God to be. That if you can imagine it is possible to God, it is possible to you. And so we look at those things that are so important to us. And that's what we focus on. If I spend 10 minutes or 20 minutes or two hours commiserating over something that I can't do anything about, then that is 10 minutes or two hours or a whole day or a whole lifetime that I have not focused on what I can actually accomplish in this world. So when you when you have those feelings, this is about gathering up tools. This is about actually putting practices into your life that will help you navigate life. So if you're sitting there feeling frustrated, feeling like you don't make a difference, feeling like no matter what you do, nothing ever changes, the tool that you pull out is to consider where is my circle of influence here? Am I looking at what I can actually address or am I just floundering about adding to the noise and the static about how bad things are? And then you sit with that and say, what actual step could I take today? You know, today, I am probably today not going to demonstrate all that I can imagine God to be. I'm willing, but the likelihood is I will probably not reach 100% mastery today. However, I can listen if a friend needs to talk. I can see someone through eyes of compassion. I can focus on the things I can do instead of focusing on all the stuff I can't do. So as we move into another time of of stillness and quiet, I'm just going to invite you to begin being open and receptive to recognizing where in my life could I be more active? Where could I be more present to being peace in the midst of all matters? Where could I actually change my behavior? So once again, we just allow our bodies to be at ease, in comfort. We relax. We release the things that are behind us. We do not yet have a time machine that we can go back and change things. Maybe someday we will. At this point, we must do that for ourselves. So we release the things that are behind. We become fully present. And we learn to see with eyes that truly see and to hear with ears that truly hear. So allow this music to just simply be an addition to your time of stillness.
Today, for these next few moments, allow yourself to see with eyes of love. Thoughts will always come, thoughts will always go. And for just these next few moments, as we share just a little taste of silence, allow yourself to consider your thoughts and question, am I seeing that with eyes of love? 
in this time and this space, we recognize all of those that we hold in our hearts. We bless ourselves for the good work that we do, and we bless others for the good work that they do. And as we let our awareness move outwardly, we know that we'll touch upon people and personalities and things that we find difficult to bless. And so we make a commitment. We choose to love the life that we share this world with in love. We choose to question the things in our life and to discern whether or not they exist with love in our lives. And we commit to change, perhaps, the way we look at things. We give thanks to those teachers, to those masters who have gone before us, who have taught us these things. We hold all of the people who have asked for our prayers in our hearts. We hold all beings everywhere in the compassionate heart of kindness and allow each to find truth with gratitude, with appreciation. We know that as we find peace in our hearts, we will see peace with our eyes. And so it is. Amen. So some questions. These are your homework questions. What do you actually value? Uh, there's a really good book out there called SQ21 by a woman, again, written partially as a result of uh, business business desires for trainings. SQ actually stands for spiritual intelligence, just like your IQ. Uh, it's called SQ21 by a unity person named Cindy Wigglesworth. She's she's been on Oprah and everything, um, and and it's a whole discussion of how we might discern our own spiritual values, how we might decide what is it that's really most important to us, and I highly recommend doing the work that's in there. So, what do you value? As you discern that, be proactive. You are not a victim, not even of your own mistakes, not even of your own messed up thinking in the past. Every moment you get to change. Focus on your circle of influence. In each moment you have a choice. I could do this thing, I could do that thing. Which one will actually allow me to focus on growing my circle of influence? And we need to actually affirm this commitment daily. It's really hard to affect change in your life if it's something you only think about between 10.30 and 11.30 on Sundays. And so each day... And, you know, when you forget, you say, that's okay, today is a new day. You know, there are a lot of us who it took us 20 or 30 or 40 years to really make that commitment every day. So that's your homework this week. And for those of you in metaphysics class, I'm sure you'll start seeing, we talked about consciousness yesterday. So as usually happens, um, look, where is your awareness focusing? What are you choosing to do with that? 
And, you know, feel free at any point, you know, to engage a conversation. If it's about the news, don't. You know, don't come to me and say, you know, I've really been wanting to talk to you about the news. I do not want that conversation. Because I have a hard time extricating myself from it. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, this is a two-way conversation, I hope. So your homework is doable. It should have good effects for you. And if you have questions, ask. Thank you, everyone, for being here today.